Africa. We were born ready. Okay, okay, Lord Jesus. Um, oh, man, you are so for us. Ah, the, just the, the beauty, the, the grandeur, the, just the glory. Lord, may you return us back to rejoicing that we are written in the book of life. May you return us back to you and you alone. If all the other beautiful things you never did, but you wrote us in the book of life, Diane knew, it would have been enough. God, return us to that place without, without letting go of celebrating all the beautiful things you're doing. Bring us back onto your lap. Touch us with the scepter. Hold out the scepter. Just us and you. Just us and you. On the throne. Amen. 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 Um, so uh, it's been on my heart for a couple weeks uh, to, to shore us up, to have, have us know that um, when, when power leaves us, when strength leaves us, when, when we leave a specific thing and come over here to operate in the supernatural, it didn't actually lessen what we have. Because the spirit is like love. The more you give, the more you have. The more you hoard, the less you have. Is that good? Yeah. That's why those who have not, even what they have is taken. And even those who have, more is given. That's what that means. Okay, so um, a lot of people read that and they're like, oh, a tyrannical God. It's like, can't be great. Um, yeah, just, just know this. If you start out with, with reading scripture with God is good no matter what, the scriptures start making way more sense. <laughs> way more sense. All of a sudden, nothing's confusing anymore. If you start out with, no, he's good, I just don't understand, and you let him fill in that over time, instead of making it an ultimatum on whether or not he's good, because you don't get to decide that, because he just is. <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, like a seagull doesn't get to tell the ocean to calm down. You know what I mean? The ocean's going to do whatever it wants, and it can either like use the, the wind currents and like hang out and that whole thing or not, but like the, wind, the ocean's going to do what it's going to do, okay? And so it, it try, a seagull trying to change the ocean is actually easier than us trying to change God through our own opinions, <laughs> trying to get him to, you know? Okay, I just want to say that. All right, because he doesn't fit in to our offenses toward him. He just continues to be good. That's what he loves, because he loves it would, be, it would be unjust for us if he would lower himself into how we see him. It's better to always have something to return to than for the thing itself that stewards us to lower itself to us. That's why the most miserable parents and the most miserable children are the children that get whatever they want, whenever they want. That's why. The children are trying to conform their parents to them. And what parenting is, is, you know, you need to conform to actually what's happening over here. Like, because this will give you more joy long term. That will make you a sociopathic, miserable human being. Yeah. Um, the most miserable people in history are the ones that get everything they want whenever they want. Straight up. Easy. So, with that, you've heard me use this analogy before, but I'm going to use it again. Um, I'll, I'll get to the analogy. So, what is God feeding us right now? What is he doing right now? This is so important. What is he doing right now? Well, lately, lately, 
He's been doing a lot of different things. But they're all marrying. They're all doing the same. Not to use a pun for one of the things he's doing. Um, but uh, he, um, he's, uh, he's, drawing, he's drawing us in. He's highlighting our strengths. And he's highlighting our weaknesses. He's highlighting the ways we cultivate love. And he's highlighting how we hinder it. It's really amazing. And you guys... Yeah, really, really, really. Like, my heart's like, I hurt all these people. Um, yeah, Rachel, we're going to talk afterwards. I have so much more repenting for you. I'm serious. I have so much more. Really, I have such a, yeah, really. Uh, okay, yeah, if I do it now, I'm going to cry, so we're just going to do it afterwards. Okay, okay, yeah, okay, so, um, okay, you guys, like, you guys, what's happening is we're getting exactly what we prayed for. You guys, like when we're up here and like the spirit is, is like just falling and there's all of us and we're all speaking in tongues and Shandai and we hear the angels and violins and stuff, which by the way, did you hear the choir earlier? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Man, that was intense. I was actually going to end and I'm like, oh no. I thought somebody was the violin. Yeah. And I was like, the choir's in heaven. So I just kept going. I was like, I, to be honest with you, I was not prepared to leave worship tonight. I was just going to preach and because they're different for me. Um, I don't want to get into it, but they actually are different, and that's okay. It's all right. Um, uh, when you don't do both in one night, it's easy to say, well, they're the same thing, brother. Well, they're not, um, and it's okay. Um, just like painting and dancing aren't the same for some people, and they're the same for other people. So, all those so tonight, I had to admit, like, I was a bit more insecure. I was insecure. I, 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 just, I was like, I hadn't, I hadn't sat in, in, in my house and, like, cultivated this place that I can, like, huh. I think because God wanted to keep me in preaching mode. <laughs> so it was more like in a garage. But that's all right. So I got to admit, I was insecure. I'm like, stop thinking about you playing music and get back to Jesus. You know, like, that's literally what was happening in my mind constantly. Like, no, 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 it's you, it's you, it's you. And there was a certain moment where, like, it was right there. I'm like, oh, there you are. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to end this and, like, move in. And all of a sudden, I started hearing a choir and a violin. And I'm like, oh, okay. All right. It's like, the choirs of heaven, you know. Um, you know, I, I think it was Elijah and Elisha. I think it was Elisha when he was like, the chariots of God. And he's like, that's kind of what it was just now when I was leading worship. I'm like, the choir's in heaven. Um, I'm so glad that Chris heard it. That was great. Okay. Um, I know, it's really funny. It's so funny. Okay. Especially to a song nobody knows. It's like funny, you know. Um, there's like moving parts, like orchestrations. I'm like, oh, Jesus. Um, anyway, so what is God doing? Well, when he's up, when we're all up here and the spirit is just moving and oh my goodness, and you just lose you lose sense of time because you're starting to move outside of it yeah. in one sense. And so here we are, and in, literally and metaphorically, and so, and you're here, and all of a sudden, like, you start praying from the cleanest places in you. Like, you start praying from seated with Christ in heavenly places. You, you, start, you start saying, like, I, this is what I want, God. I know that when I leave this room, I'm not going to want it, but I want it now, and I want you to meet it. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay, hallelujah. Just, just making sure. Because, <laughs> yeah, this, this is the look. <laughs> so I just wanted to make sure that at least some people know what I'm talking about. Can we try it again? Like, if you know what I'm talking about, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so all right, just help me out. You know how I roll. Okay, I need that. I need it. I need it. Okay. <clears throat> like an amen here and there, whatever. Um, yes, thank you. Yes. Yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Oh, man, I might tell that joke tonight. Okay, so um, it's real, but it's still a joke. It's funny. So um, at a certain point, though, you guys, we have asked for deep, transparent, 
community. We've asked for close family. We've asked to be known and to be and to know. Right? Yeah. Well, the only way you can have that, you don't get like your cake and eat it too. Well, actually, you do get your cake and eat it too. I'll use a different analogy. You don't just get to like cherry pick. You got to get it all. Okay? You can't just pretend half your heart doesn't exist and try to do community with the other half. Is that good? Yeah. Right? That's a good word. Okay. All right. So, yeah, this is a good word. A t-shirt right there. Okay. So, um, yeah, I should tweet that. Somebody tweet that? I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, I actually have a Twitter. You guys, seriously, like, I, I go through my Twitter. I'm like, I wish more people were reading this because it's like a, com like a concentrated revelation stream. Like, when I, when I go back into my Twitter, I'm like, I am very encouraged right now. Yeah. It's just really. Brian Burkett. I'm not trying to be a... a Twitter famous. There's no possible way that would happen in Cairo. Okay, so because we have like you know 70 people. I'm just saying, if, if you want extra encouragement, sign up for for my notifications from Twitter. Okay, whatever. Okay, so besides all that, dude, you guys, like, at the end of the day, if if we are gonna be close and we're gonna have family, well, this is what it looks like. All you you're just you start getting exposed. You're like a raw nerve, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. But guess what? You're in a place for those things that are uncomfortable to become commonplace. What I mean by that is it's actually not a problem. It's just how we see life and decisions we've made are coming to light that don't line up with heaven. Well, good. So we can line them up with heaven. If you just ignore them forever, they just sit in there and keep running the life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. So. Sorry. No. Okay. Man, once you find diamonds on the floor in your church, man, any glitter, you're, you're in. You know, it's like immediately. Okay, I just thought I saw like three, but just pieces of glitter. All right, it's fine. Okay, sorry. Distraction. Squirrel. It's like, man, that, that diamond thing will get you every time. Because once it happens, every glitter, and just now they're like three were really bright. I want to be like, and more diamonds as we're talking about family. Um, okay, so, so what does it look like to steward and hold where we are without losing where we are? I'll get more specific. Um, lately, more than usual, an inordinate amount of people are saying things like this. I feel like things are more fluid. I don't have a solid foundation. I, I feel like they, they're using different kinds of language. And I'm not putting, the, if, this, if you are not dealing with this, don't receive it, okay? But I'm saying if you are dealing with this, we'll receive it. Um, because there's, a, there's an answer to this. There's, a, there's, 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 a, there's an anchor here. Um, that this is my message. Um, and so... I, um, what happens is, is a lot of the times at Kairos, since we've begun, most of the things we're dealing with is a corporate thing we're dealing with. Like somebody will call me, you guys, you know this. Most of you know this. You've, you've talked to me numerous. The most encouraging thing for me is when someone is going through something really dark. That's not the encouraging part. And all of a sudden I can be all, hey, good news. 13 other people have told me this just in the last 48 hours in our church. And they're all, oh, and all of a sudden now they're doing it with people. It wasn't this strange thing that was just happening to them. And God is very faithful to do that here. I love it. So it's like, hey, you guys, it's great. But when all of a sudden our personal stuff shows up at the same time, it's harder to paint that for people, partly because we think we're so unique. It's got to be honest. You know, it's, like, it's like, yeah, but you couldn't possibly know what I'm personally dealing with because this one thing happened at 1213 when I was eight, and, this one thing, and it happened for you at 1214, so it couldn't possibly be the same thing. But you guys, like, in one sense, every one of you is fearfully, wonderfully made. All of us. 
are fearfully, wonderfully made, okay? Every one of us are so unique, it's crazy. And yet at the same time, like, like withholding love from other people because we were hurt once just isn't that unique. It just isn't. It just isn't. Like not wanting to forgive somebody because they remind us of someone else and they haven't even done the thing in the first place, but we were hurt by the original person, that's just not unique. It just isn't. It's super common. It just is. And like all these weird, weird things that we would never want anybody to do to us, we do to other people because we get too caught up in thinking we're so unique. But we're just not in that regard. You know how you're unique? The more you just lay it all down and just love people, now who you really are starts showing up more and more. You've heard me go off on this before. I'll go off on it again. Um, there's this one voice that girls today are just supposed to sing in. It's the weirdest thing to me. It's like, well, hey, no, I mean, really. And so, um, and so it's like all, like all the Disney uh, commercials for the cruise lines got it. And this like little girl with like a, a, like, a, like a ukulele on American Got Talent sings like it. And then like this girl over here sings like it. And this girl singing over here sings like it. And pretty soon I'm like, can none of you see that you're all singing exactly the same coincidentally just in the last four years? It's like, like the pigeon toe thing that happened like four years ago. It's like all of a sudden everybody had hip dysplasia all of a sudden miraculously at the same time. But that just didn't actually happen. It's just because our sense of community, our need for community gets us to copy and be like other people because we think, because it's the quickest way. It's a quick way to get community. That's why teenagers usually end up dressing alike because they're shallow. <laughs> just, sorry. Um, and, so, um, and so what happens is, is, they, is they do that, but yet... But they're experimenting with it. It doesn't mean they have to be shallow forever. I don't mean shallow meaning like they're horrible, intense human beings that can't think. What I mean by that is they haven't gotten the depth of maturity of age. That's what I mean by shallow. So if you notice, um, I'll go off on this a little bit, but um, uh, the young tend to only want to listen to music that is one emotion at a time because that's how they live. They want to listen to angry music or sad music, or happy music, or whatever it is, it's only one emotion at a time. But when you start listening to music, not because it, it adheres you to a culture, and it gives you street cred, but you actually enjoy it, that's a whole other experiment. That's a whole other voyage. Yeah. You start exploring music because you enjoy it, and how you feel after you're done with listening to it. <laughs> That'll get a whole other thing. But when you try to talk to like a 15 or 16-year-old about that, historically, they're more interested in trying to create community in this very shallow way. What I mean by shallow is it doesn't last. It doesn't have any substance. Like if you stop listening to a specific four people that play music on a regular basis and start listening to other four people playing music and all of a sudden your friends don't like you, they're not your friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good. Okay. So... Um, <clears throat> Anyway, I think that was for people in the future, not for anybody in this room. So just wanted to say that. Hey, future people. Yeah, I hope that ministered to you. Okay, so, um, all right, so this is, but this is what we're dealing with on a, on a slow down level, is that we're actually not that unique. And some of the things we do, we think we're unique. And that's one of the things offense does, is offense makes itself the only one. Mm -hmm. Offense wants to be unique and justified in its position. And that's why a lot of people that are, that are known as very quote-unquote creative people usually deal with offense more than usual because that same mechanism 
Offense validates the position. It, it differentiates. It, it says, you're different. They don't understand. If they only understood this, they have to do this one thing or you're going to continue in this. Da, da, da. this it, it, it feels the same as, kind of, as that differentiation that we try to get through an art form. It's just another art, but it's a dark art. It's bitterness. It's, it's offense. And so, um, anyway, uh, I, I know this, these things are really important. Um, I, as I'm saying them, I know this is so important. If you're looking for a five-stage message, it ain't going to happen. So um, at least maybe not. Maybe listen back. and That was a five-stage message. <laughs> it's happened before. Um, so, uh, um, so where I want to land here right now is this, that all of us are being invited into continuing in Christ right now. All these other things are beautiful. Everything we're doing. Dude, it's, I wrote an entire essay recently on how it's so important that we, that it's, it's an invitation from the Lord to actually derive pleasure and joy from experiencing signs and wonders. It's so good. It's such a beautiful thing. And the reason is because I've been speaking to cessationists lately, the ones that believe that Holy Spirit doesn't move today. And, um, and I'm like, and they're all, dude, what's going on in your church? I'm like, Oh my goodness. And I start telling about Karen. And I start telling about all these things like back straightening and eyes healing and all this other amazing stuff. And then instead of being like, oh my goodness, that's so beautiful, I have some theological questions. The thing right out of the mouth of the cessationist is like, yeah, but is it biblical? I'm like, wait, I just told you that someone can hear out of their ear. They're worshiping Jesus all the more. You know, they possibly revealed of AIDS. Like, there's like a whole other thing happening. And so I wrote this thing. It's okay to celebrate. In fact, it's, it's the right response to celebrate when, when, when God moves into the impossible realm and changes something. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Right. Um, and then, you guys, I mean, there's like coins sticking on walls and stuff in people's houses. I mean, this is just funny. Without tape, okay? Like, yeah. by command. All right? Yeah, it's like funny. Um, we, we went through that a couple weeks ago. We played the videos. Everybody kind of got stewarded through that. Like, hey, this is what's happening, you know. Um, but it's not the main event. But let's hope it continues. But it's not the main event. Let's celebrate it, but it's not the main event. And I'm going to say the thing that I asked you to, to, yeah, to remind me later about. Um, there's something that we do in the body when we um, are operating in what Kairos is operating in significantly. Um, I noticed that, the, that the, the, the men and women that operate in teaching and preaching with regards to this specific move of God, this is how, this is a common thing, way they teach that I do not believe is from the Lord, and he really wants to weed out of our midst. That in order for one thing to be true, we don't have to go hunting for something that isn't. It's okay if just something is true. Um, and a lot of the times in fighting against mediocrity in the, in the body, we find something that is not bad at all, that is actually good, and we say, we're not supposed to be doing this. We're supposed to be doing this. And it's just a new law. It's just another new law. Um, it's okay if you're journaling. <laughs> it's okay if you're having your amazing prayer times for hours on end in your closet. It's okay if, you're, if you actually do have people in public say the sinner's prayer and, and they receive the Lord that way. That's okay. But speakers nowadays will say, dude, it's, it's, it's not okay that we're just like trying to, it's like, it's like sin is a negative, like, like whatever, dude, like I'm not just trying to go around just having somebody say a sentence or two. Well, hold on. Yeah, if their hearts aren't engaged. 
Like, if there's nothing to do with the human spirit and like you with your authority with them and you exposing the freedom that they're afforded in Christ and then they do that with a believing heart, well, yeah, if that isn't happening, of course. But what it, what it does is it demonizes, it makes wrong things that are very right. And so what I want to say is that, sure, I hope that all of us continue to evangelize like fielding brought to us. Like, hey, do you have pain in your hip, blah, blah, blah? Yeah, okay, we'll check it, because I think it's gone. You know, like that thing. And all of a sudden, like, what the? And then before you know it, you let God be known as, as real first to them, and then you show up, yeah, it's all real, actually. And just let that flood in. And then guess what? Maybe you can get them to recite the sinner's prayer. <laughs> That's okay. Um, yeah. Um, so with that, I'm going to be revisiting that through tonight, I think, as I'm speaking. Um, I might not, but I think I am. Um, and it might seem all over the place, but if you're tracking in the spirit, I'm continuing down this one gold vein into the mountain, okay? Um, and if you lost, if I lost you, just keep, just keep holding on to the cart. It's going to be okay, you know? At the end of the ride, we're all going to get off, and we're like, oh, we have this stuff, thanks. Okay, just, just bear with me here. Um, um, one of the things that we do as the church, um, historically that um, I want to keep us above. And I don't just mean like, just lips just above the, the floodwaters. I'm talking like straight up above it, okay? Yeah, like a straight up castle, like that's immune to the water, okay? Like stories high, okay? We, yeah, okay, it's, it's not just possible, it's gonna happen. All right. Um, uh, what happens is, is when revival shows up, which guys, you guys, I don't know if you realize this, but you've been in the middle of one for like two years. Seriously. Yeah, what? So where are we? Yeah, yeah. People are like, yeah, I know. I know, buddy. Um, so, um, here, there's coins on my wall. Okay. Um, yeah, like people are getting like saved all crazy amazing. It's really beautiful. There's so much fruit happening. There's an there's a increased hunger for the word, an increased hunger for the Lord, um, an increased hunger to see other people free, and at the same time, an increased boldness and clarity on what it looks like to walk in our authority. Um, just this confidence. It's just... This is what revival looks like, you guys. This is what it looks like. Okay, so, um, and this is what happens in revival. What happens is, is people get close enough to each other. This is one thing that happens. They get close enough to each other that they start grabbing the protections they learned from the world and bringing them into the revival that they would have never in a million years felt comfortable with the first night. And they start trying to create systems where they don't have to deal with things. Well, if you notice, we're not doing that. Um, so, uh, policy is poison if it replaces a relational conversation. We'll say it again. Policy is poison if it replaces a relational conversation. Amen. Every time. So, you know, like that whole, like, that thing that happens, I call it the state worker laws, but, like, it could be just about anywhere else, too. If you work for the state, you know exactly what I'm going to talk about. Um, it's all of a sudden, like, okay, whenever you walk into the, okay, if, if we all built an office somewhere, and we're like, you know what would be awesome? We had some refrigerators, maybe even think places people could cook in. It sounds so great, right? Until you get all these law people involved. And all of a sudden, like, dude, the next thing you know, there's signs everywhere. And every one of them starts with a no or a not. It's amazing. It's, like, so incredible. It's like, wow. It's like, you need to label your food or we're throwing it out. Why? Why? What if I don't label it so somebody can eat it? How about if your food isn't labeled... Somebody can eat it, not will eat it. Do you know what I mean? 
It's like there's totally different ways to say this stuff, you know? Hey, if you want someone to eat your food, just don't label it. Don't worry about it. Awesome. Not like, if you don't label your food, we're throwing it out because other people don't even know how old it is. And they might have, it's like, oh, you want to... And it's like, but why? There's no reason. It's just, it's bitterness. It's all these things. And it comes out in law. Instead of policy, just, let's just trust everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's all right. And if that's, if you know that, that one guy or girl that always eats everybody's food, we'll just talk to him. It's all right. Be like, hey, man, I know you're hungry. You want me to start bringing you lunch? <laughs> you know, it's okay. Okay, so. <laughs> all right. In the same way here. Oh, Jonathan Clyde, I love you. Oh, hey, just give him a hand. You can't sneak in. There's no way Jonathan Clyde can sneak in here. Come on, man. Did you find a seat, man? We love you. Okay, there's no way that guy can walk in with that. Okay, so, um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I know that even if Kairos gets to, like, a thousand people or something, and, like, I'm, like, up there or whatever, and, I, and Jonathan Clyde walks in, or, you know, or just any of y'all from the back, <laughs> be like, hey, everybody, look! <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, Jesus. You know. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, what happens is in a revival, what happens is a lot of the times um, our junk starts coming up and then we don't want that part to be involved. We like the feelings that signs and wonders give us, but we don't like what this close community is drawing out of us. Because we're using God. I know this is going to sound totally crazy. But we're actually using the image of God only. It's a graven image. I, I really believe this, so just let me just keep surfing on this one, okay? Man, I could see emails if we were big enough for this one. Okay, so um, <clears throat> if, if I am literally only using the traditions and the laws and the rules and the, and the vocalizations of things, and my heart is completely gone out of the situation, this is actually idolatry. It, it's actually being a Pharisee. Sure. If all I'm talking about is like, is like, like, yeah, brother, by stripes we're healed. And yeah, dude, blah, blah, blah. And like, I'm, I'm doing better than I deserve. And man, I got like all these, like, it's just, I just, all my Christianity is a bunch of colloquialisms, but no one can touch my heart, even God. If I'm so far away from God in my heart, but so close to him in my mouth, like, yeah, and blah, 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 and this one thing, and this one scripture, and da, 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 da. It's like what happens is I'm actually using the culture of Christianity, and I'm using all of the, the, the pillars without God, I'm using it to actually stay away from God. Christianity has become an idol. That's what's up. All right. Jared's like, yes! Thank you so much. And so, um, okay. Because you guys, like, this is that whole, like, it's not religion, it's a relationship. Well, yeah. But it's not just that sentence. Right? Because I know so many people are like, it's not religion, it's a relationship. But you can't touch my heart. It's like, okay, well, I mean, dang. Yeah. It's like, if you're using Christianity or any saying that's birthed in Christianity to hinder love and to push away the body of Christ and to even push away God, man, this night's for you. Okay, so, um, yes. Wow. Um, what God spoke to, to, um, to Bill Johnson in 2001 was this. How do you steward a revival? How do you steward a move of God? How do you... Right when it starts going into this place where people are making policies and people are trying to memorialize and to freeze in time what happened, 
and make it this thing they're always trying to get back to in the past? How do you stop it from going there? Well, right when, right when you get to that point where you can see that the fruit of what God had implanted is starting to do its work in the people, and they're all getting unnerved a little bit, like, I'm getting this close to people. And, it's gonna... and all of a sudden, everybody's starting to complain a little bit. You know what you do? You grab them all back out of everything, and you go right back to beholding. You go right back to, we are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You go back to Jesus himself, and everything else could, could fall by the wayside, and it doesn't matter. You go back to that place. You go back to adoration. That's where we're going. Right? Okay, so, so I'm going to preach the gospel. All right? Yay! Yeah, gospel's great. Okay, so, um, gospel's great. Um, all right, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, so, uh, and I'm getting, like, dry mouth up in here. Okay. You know, like, when you get nervous, your mouth gets dry? Or when the Holy Spirit starts showing up? Like, all the, all the liquid that should be in your mouth or on your palms? That's what I'm at right now. Uh, okay, so, okay, you guys, and this is a good reminder for everybody, okay? Very good reminder. We can't hear the gospel enough, right? Nope. It's okay. It's like for crying out loud. And sometimes we forget some of this stuff. Some of the, Sometimes we get so into our experience that our experience starts telling us that some things that we know are true might not be true just because of our experience. But it's because of how we're interpreting our experience. Because how do you know that God is always a good guy all the time? Right? He says he is. Well, yeah, he says he is because he is. Because he, he didn't lie. Right? It's, those questions like, well, if God can do anything, but he can't lie. It's like, oh, God. No. <laughs> he can do, he can be active in anything he wants to. But it would be unloving and therefore against his nature to do things that would actually hinder love. That's why he doesn't lie. And his nature itself says he can't. He has the ability to do anything. His very nature does not allow him to lie. There's for your future peeps right over there. Okay, check. All right, so, all right, because I know nobody in this room is probably dealing with that. Okay, um, so in the beginning, <laughs> what was the word? Um, literally, um, uh, Jesus Christ slain from the foundations of the world for us. Jesus Christ himself being our Bridegroom from the foundations of the world. I am convinced that even if Adam and Eve had never sinned and their children had never sinned, and all through you would have those subsequent seven generations all the way up until Jesus would have been born. Even if he didn't have to die for the people, he would have still been born and been king and bridegroom and friend and brother. I, I, I know this. The plan was, is that we were designed from the, the very inception in God's heart for a counterpart. That's who humanity is. We are his counterpart. We are his bride. And so, even if none of us had ever sinned, he would have still shown up as our bridegroom, a perfect betrothed bride. And no, because he decreed that there would be a perfect betrothed bride for Jesus, no matter what, there was a plan for that to happen. Right? Come on, Jesus. Okay, so, yeah. So, so what happens at the very beginning? He creates man. He, he puts 
He puts man in the garden. Do you know that, that Eve was just called woman until they fell? Until they ate the fruit and they were out of the garden and then he named her the mother of all living. How many of you have heard that, that Adam was just this like, like whenever like men's camp and like the reform movement happens, they, whenever they talk about Adam, he's just the biggest moron that's ever graced the planet. They always talk about him like that. And I'm like, hold on. Like they're just like, yeah, like the serpent shows up. Where's Adam? Adam should have been like, dude, get away from my wife. But he wouldn't have known that. Because <laughs> there's none of this. He didn't like posture himself in like the Detroit ghettos his whole life. Like he's just chilling, eating fruit and naming animals. I mean, he doesn't know what's going on. It's like, you know what I mean? He should have manned up. It's like, what? Like, I don't know, man. Like, I think how you live would have ruined it before he did. You know, like, it's like, it's, like, it's all right. You know, just calm down. Um, um, I think because, because when we're motivated by condemnation and we're motivated by defi a defiled conscience, what happens is a defiled conscience always wants to defile other consciences. And a clean conscience always wants to clean other consciences. If someone's trying to defile your conscience in a certain area, they're already condemned in that area. No matter what. No matter what. Whereas a clean conscience shows you what you're doing will hurt you, da 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 but they want to move you to a place where you have a clean conscience. That's how you know if they have a clean or a defiled conscience or not. So, sorry, a little, little side little commercial there. So here's Adam, okay? Adam and Eve. They're in the garden. You know, you know there's two creation accounts in Genesis? There's two. The earth is created and then the Garden of Eden is created. The birds are created from something out in, in the wild, but they were created from the earth in the garden. There's a whole other order inside cultivation. There's a whole other order in what God de deems as special and deems as his chosen place and even people. We're created differently. Our inception is different. Like, Everyone is born of woman. But when you're born again, you're born of spirit and blood and fire. A whole other situation happening in water. And so all of a sudden we're, like, how are we born again? Like, all of a sudden we're born by his blood. We move out of Adamic curse and Adamic flesh and blood. And we move into a higher order. It's really beautiful. All of a sudden, like, we have command of mountains and oceans and other bodies and animals and possibly even time itself. This is pretty amazing. Let's do it. Right? Yeah. yeah, amen. And then he's like, hey, man, I mean, he's all, <laughs> okay, I got this the other day. Jesus is like, look, dude, like, I got so many, I mean, that's how you can talk to some people. Um, look, dude, like, you got so many rooms in this house that, that I call my kingdom, that I call, like, my reality, like, how I see things and how I want, with things that you will eventually experience. And I have an open invitation for you to start exploring it now. Yeah, yeah you're justified by my beloved. That, is, that will never change. In fact, you wouldn't be able to be here if you weren't. Yes. And so we are operating in exploring the house. That's when we're like, all right, can I tell this coin to stick on the wall? That's all we're doing. <laughs> we're just exploring. We're just, we're just exploring. We don't, we're not making the point you know, like, I heal. Or the point, like, I stick coins on a wall or whatever. That's not even the point. The point is that we're doing all of this with God because of God, anticipation of more with Him. That's the point. 
Okay, so coming back to the gospel. So Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, okay? Boom, boom, boom. And all of a sudden, oh, it's really amazing too. It's like a lot of people, like I had a friend a long time ago. He called Satan the old one. But he was all like mystifying Satan. I'm like, don't give him so much credit. Come on. Like, don't call him the old one. Like, it just makes it sound so cool. You know, it's like, give me a break, you know? Um, and so, like, like, don't mystify the guy. You know, it's like, give me a break. It's like, we're going to, eventually we're all going to see him when he's finally judged. This is what, I think it's Isaiah says this. Um, is it Isaiah? When it's like, we will look upon him. And, no, it's Isaiah. Because it's not Revelation, because it was before all that. Because Jesus could read it, because he quoted it. It's like this amazing thing. He's basically like, it says that, Eventually, Satan's going to be judged, just like all the angels, good or bad. Um, I really believe that we'll actually be able to judge our angels and be like, what a good job. <laughs> just like running high fives, you know? Like, um, um, but at a certain point, we're all going to look upon Satan and we're going to be like, I'm paraphrasing here. This is kind of in the original Hebrew. We're going to look at him and be like, wait, that's the guy? <laughs> like that's him like that's it dang that sucks you know like we thought he was way bigger than that or whatever you know like really yeah. and so um, I love the passion of the Christ idea of what Satan looks like like he's like really androgynous and just like like kind of like offended and at the same time like like brazen and just like you know that whole thing I, I love that, that that interpretation where he's like you, you think you could take him in a fight? You know what I'm saying? Like physically? Um, but at the same time, like, but he, he, he knows man so much and he knows what's in man that he can, you know, he can like twist and he can move all those things that hinder love to his devices, you know? Um, and so, uh, so he shows up. But it's not like he lived for 6,000 years or something and then all of a sudden showed up in the garden according to the Bible, like, because we already know how old Adam was when he died, and we know like all these other things, so we can come back into it. And Adam was about 90 when him and Eve fell. They had about 90 years in the garden. Wow. Really? Yeah. And so it's not like 9,000 years in the garden. It's about 90. And, and it says that God created the angels and everything only two days before man. So, so Satan was just as old as he is by two days. Not, not the old one, you know? Nah, he had just as much time to acclimate to everything as Adam and Eve did. So in that time period, somehow he fell. Just within that amount of time. It wasn't this like ages, like Lord of the Rings, like 9,000 year epic thing. The ring was lost out of time and space. It's like, no, he just like probably like 30 years. He was like, all right, dude, I want it. Really? Or it might have been like the next day. He fell and he's all, all right, dude, I got to get this Adam guy. You know, like it could have been the next day. I, I'm, I'm saying this to make it just to, just to understand what we're talking about here. That's a very mystical thing in one sense and a very practical thing in the other. Um, I'm, an, I'm a young earth guy, okay? Because, well, I've never lost a scientific debate with an old earth person. Um, but I truly believe in a young earth. Um, and you don't I, don't, I don't believe that you have to somehow conform to a young earth belief to be saved and to have, be justified by the blood of Christ and to operate in signs and wonders. I will be brazen enough to say there is absolutely no scientific evidence for an old earth, and I'm not pulling like a freaking, like a Kyrie Irving with like the flat earth thing. Just because you can, really, that's a whole other thing. Okay, commercial. Um, flat earth theory. Um, look, it's just like, just because you can talk someone into something doesn't make it true. That is what flat earth theory stands on, is rhetoric. It's all it has. 
It just has rhetoric. It's like, well, what about this? Blah, blah, blah. And, it, and it's based on this other weird like conspiracy theory that people want everybody to believe it's around Earth. What's this to gain? Like, like trillionaires would have to make this happen, but trillionaires don't spend money unless there was a return on the investment. Uh, what are they making money on? Because supposedly NASA's involved with it, so they're not selling rockets to NASA. I mean, who? how would they make any money? Like, billionaires make money by making moves to make money. They would never make a move that would lose money. And so flat earth theory, where people believe the earth is flat, you guys, it is a growing movement. I am dead serious. Like, I mean, like, adherence to flat earth theory are, like, increasing by the day. Do you think it's going to ever find its way in school? I mean, evolution did. Uh, but anyway, let me uh, digress. Okay, so um, anyway, but, but coming back, my point is this. It's just because you can talk someone into something. Oh, you guys, I'm sorry. I made, I made everybody talk to each other. I'm sorry. That was, I just dropped a little bomb. I know. I threw a grenade in the room. Okay, just, just bear with me. Come back, come back. Um, <laughs> just for my sake. Um, so <clears throat> in the same way, though, just because you can talk someone into something doesn't mean that something is true. And just because you can make a reasonable argument because, to, to convince the Socratic method, yeah, sure, unless you're talking about something that isn't true. <laughs> it's just, you know, no matter what you tell me, I'm not a giraffe. <laughs> I'm just not. And no matter how much of a good debater you are and how much you can convince people otherwise, I'm still not a giraffe. And so that's, that's the, the flat earth theory. It's weird. How much, like you can get, you, you can fall into it, man. Like if you go on enough YouTube videos and you only look at their own logic and you don't compare it to other things while they're giving it to you, Dude, it's like you're like, this is a compelling argument. Until you just use the app that tells you where stars are. And like, you know what I mean? Like, there's basic things here, you know, like why is there cycles in the moon? I mean, it's really not that hard, but like there's so much convincing. Because convincing truth does not make. I'll say that again. Just because you can be convinced of something doesn't mean it's true. Otherwise, the Nazis wouldn't have ever existed. All right? And cults wouldn't either. Okay, so before I get back into the gospel, that's why you are never asked to defer your conscience to mine or any other leader or any person in this room. Your conscience is your own. I'll never tell you, like, you have to believe this. Well, I mean, if you want to say you're Christian, well, then fine. Hell's hot. Eternity's a long time. Mary never had sex. Um, Jesus, Jesus was born sinless. He died on a cross, sinless, um, and he paid the price that we would have to pay for our sins. Okay? That's good, right? Yeah. Hallelujah. Baptism is necessary. Okay? Th these things are the Apostles' Creed. Those things are important. Okay? That's, that's good. Because, if, I mean, you can believe that or not, but if you don't, you're not a Christian. That's, that's how it works. Okay? Um, but you are not asked to defer your conscience to anyone else's here. It's very important. So, I might be able to convince you of something, but if your conscience, if you're like, dude, I don't have a clean conscience with that. Well, then you need to work that out. And it's okay if you disagree. Is that good? Yeah. All right. I don't know a single two people in this room that agree with every single thing they believe in the kingdom. I don't. We, but we don't mess with the Apostles' Creed. That is a close, those are closed-hand issues. Yeah. If you know what that is, go look it up. The Apostles' Creed. It's very easy. Very simple. It's only like 14 lines. It's just like the basics of the faith, okay? Closed-handed issues. Open-handed open issue is like, okay, so literally like, I will schism with someone on a church level if they will break the, the Apostles' Creed. They start like wondering if Mary was a virgin. Divide. 
Close-handed issues are a divisive issue, straight up. If somebody comes in here and starts saying that, that Jesus was, was not divine, that like there, there was no power in his blood to save, <laughs> bro, I mean, you're welcome here and I love you, but we're not going to grab that as a doctrine and you're not going to be a leader. You know what I mean? <laughs> just wanna, you see what I'm saying? It's not, I mean, you believe whatever the heck you want to believe, but that's just not going to be a, a leadership uh, you know, champion situation here. Okay. <clears throat> um, so anyway, all, all that to say, all that, all of that, but ideally, though, we get back to the gospel. <laughs> so at a certain point, Adam and Eve were created perfect. They were. They were humans. Perfect humans. Not manifest sons. Possibly not like all powerful and amazing because they didn't have the divine spark. It wasn't like, they weren't like the God man and woman. They were just man. Okay? Um, they might have. I don't know. But I'm just saying that like some people like teach one, some people teach the other. Okay, moving on. All right, because these are closed-handed issues. I mean, open-handed issues. It's like you don't know exactly what happened in, in the garden. Um, and I do want to say this, too. I'm going to get to the gospel. Um, I want to say this, too, that some of you might have a revelation of one way. Like, God told me that he would never do this, 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 this in my life. Great. Own that. But the minute God does that in someone else's life, if you start saying that that's not the Lord and they don't hear the Lord, that's where it gets weird. That is seriously funny. Like, every baby is crying in there right now. It sounds like, 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 all those old, like, 30s, like, in, like fire engines. Okay, like, so many at the same time. It's so funny. Okay, um, uh, for example, like, I know somebody who believes that um, uh, Samson had like a full-on, don't say anything, it's okay, I'm not trying to uncover you, I'm just saying this, I'm just telling the body, that believes that Samson actually wasn't rebellious with, with Delilah and wasn't rebellious in all these things. He actually had like a, a divine revelation of grace. You know what? I don't want to challenge that in that person. But to make that the only way people in the body can see it, that's where it gets interesting. Uh, you don't want to rob that from somebody? If, if you believe God's telling you something like that, well, okay, then you're vindicated in eternity. Um, but because it's not implicit, um, I'm, I'm sorry, it is, it is only implicit. Like it, only, it might imply only. It's not like, yes, this is the case. If you have to like read into a scripture, the more you have to read into a scripture to come to a truth, or the more you have to rely on a revelation that you've been given, but it's not, in, it's not just solidly in scripture, the more grace you need to have on other people and how they interpret that scripture. Is that good? It doesn't, it doesn't even devalue it in far as your internals. You guys, I've got, I, I'm convinced, convinced, that in the book of Revelation, the two witnesses are Enoch and Moses, or possibly Enoch and Elijah. It's one of those three, or two of those three, okay? I'm convinced of it. Why? Because they went up bodily, <laughs> right? And these two are operating in the same things that Elijah operated in. So, interesting, okay? So, but at the same time, I don't know. Maybe the entire book of Revelation is literally all spiritual. And not a single thing is practical like we think. I'm not saying it's probably, it, I believe it's probably going to be practical, but you never know. I don't want to interpret the book of Revelation like the Pharisees interpreted Messianic scriptures because they miss Jesus. So I just, you know what I mean? I just want to just, look, if I'm with Jesus, then, I'll, then he'll figure it out. I'm good. I, Okay, so with that. And, but here's the deal. I'm proving my point here. 
Is it wrong that somebody believes that like this will actually happen in a physical third temple in Jerusalem and the actual, like all these things will happen. Is that wrong? Of course not. It actually says it in the word. So how do they interpret it? Well, it's up to you. I don't mean that like there's, only, there's like multiple different futures involved with the book of Revelation. What I'm saying is, is that because we don't actually know, we can just surmise that's not a closed handed issue to divide the body over. That's where I'm getting Okay. Great. All right. So, all right. So, um, so coming back in, um, uh, you have Adam and Eve in the garden, and what happens is, is when they're deceived, the very first decision that they make outside of the order of heaven, they step out of the order of heaven into a perishable, finite, decaying reality, which is anything that is out of the order of heaven. No matter what it is. It doesn't matter. But what happens is, is what stays on them is the guilt. That's what stays on them. A war of enmity. Or the enmity. The war of offense. That is what is now ingrained in the DNA itself. It's actually in the blood. It's actually in the, the actual physical body. You could never escape it. And according to Romans 5... It's, it was impossible by any human method to remove ourselves from Adam, from the blood curse. What the blood of Adam in our veins that we, that we were brought to by birth, nothing in human wisdom, nothing in human effort, nothing we did, good or bad, could remove us from the blood of Adam. The good news is that when Jesus died on a torture device... 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. What happens is when he came, he came sinless. He actually, okay, you guys, this might, be, this might blow away some of you, but I am not kidding you. This actually stumbled me for years. How was, he's a, how was he God's son? It was so hard for me. I made it way more like mystical and complex. And then my wife actually, she was talking to somebody else about this years ago, and she goes, yeah, he's God's son because God, God, like God's spirit came into the womb of Mary. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Jesus, it's that simple. <laughs> like, it wasn't this like big, like crazy, like mathematical equation or something. Like, there actually wasn't a father that was a human, which is why, which is why Jesus could be born sinless. Because he wasn't born of Adam. That's it. So he can actually be born of the Spirit. That's why if you say Mary wasn't a virgin, it removes this whole thing. You guys know that in the original language, it doesn't say virgin, it says young woman. There was actually a book written on this by a very influential church leader who we all saw it coming. Because he wouldn't talk about what was true, he'd only talk about what wasn't. For so long. He just danced around what wasn't true for so long that eventually it just kept getting weirder and weirder. And he got really weird when he finally said that, that hell couldn't exist because God loves us. Oh, Jesus. Um, John Piper tweeted, he goes, farewell. And then this person's name. <laughs> what he said. Um, and then this guy has repented since because his book sales went down and blah, blah, blah. But then he actually really repented a little later after that. And it was really amazing. Bless him. I'm not going to say his name, but bless the guy. But this is what I want to say. Yeah, the original scripture when talking about Mary, the prophecy, it said that a young woman shall give birth. 
And that's the scripture that everybody tries to use to say, well then, well then it could have been anybody. It doesn't have to be a virgin. Well, let's fill out that scripture a little bit more. It says, you will see something you have never seen before and will never, ever see again or hear about. A young woman. A young woman gives birth to a child. How many of you have ever heard of a young woman giving birth to a child? Well, half of you have only heard a young woman give birth to a child. That's totally amazing to me. Wow. Well, it happened. That's how you showed up. It's amazing. Um, okay. And so, um, yeah, incredible. Okay. Um, and just see if you guys are awake and half of you aren't. And hopefully now you are. It's great. Um, Francis literally used to do this. He would just like show up and he would just like, he'd like come over and he'd be like, he'd all, because he had a cordless and he'd just sit down next to somebody put his arm around him. <laughs> yeah. Hey, what's up, man? <laughs> Especially someone new, like in the back. He'd go to Sinner's Row, you know, and he'd go to the back and be like, <laughs> that's what they used to call in the Baptist church back in the day. New people and people that like didn't feel like they, um, and so Francis would like, he would sit in the very, he'd go in the very back with the mic and he'd sit down next to somebody that's totally brand new and put his arm around him and be like, what's up, man, what's your name? And they'd be like, Ugh. you know, like, it was like this amazing, Francis was just really incredible like that. Um, wow. Anyway, so here's the deal. The scripture doesn't say virgin. You know why? Because there was no Hebrew word for it. If you were a young woman and you weren't a virgin, you wouldn't live very long because you'd be stoned to death. I'm serious. The word young woman meant virgin. That's what it meant. And it wasn't until English came around that we actually had a word for that. Greek, but yes. Okay, really. So you guys, like... Unless you can say that no one had ever heard of young women giving birth <laughs> and never would ever again. You guys, she was a virgin. <laughs> Hello. I mean, the whole, otherwise it's just a big freaking lie and you're still in your sins and we're most to be pitied. Yeah, we are most to be pitied. You guys, without Jesus, our, our club sucks. <laughs> I mean, think about it. I mean, if Jesus, if we are dead in our sins and Jesus isn't real, we have all been having mass hallucinations. And like, I mean, we are straight up screwed. Okay? I mean, really. Okay. Just want to say that. And I, that was a paraphrase of what Paul actually said. Okay. If Christ isn't risen, then we are all still in our sins. And so are you. That's basically what he said. You're, you're done. Um, okay. So before Jesus showed up, Sinless as the Lamb of God. You know where lambs are born? In mangers. Isn't that amazing? Okay, just want to say that. All right, so, um, so Jesus was born. And, um, and so, uh, I'm going to say that. Um, but before all that, law of Moses showed. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, meaning everyone between Adam and Moses died in their sins. There was no propitiation. There was no... There was no way to be made righteous. There was no way to get out. There was no way to get away from the blood. Now, there's a couple people that did, but they would be taken up vertically, <laughs> bodily. <laughs> like Enoch. Enoch just, Jesus was like... Jared, by the way. What? Enoch was the son of Jared. <laughs> Jared's like, did you know that Enoch was the son of Jared? Just wanted to say that. Um, yeah. So, um... Like here's Enoch, and it says that he was righteous, no one was like him, and that, that God actually favored him, and then he took him, and he was no more. He was not seen on the earth. He walked with God. It's totally amazing. God's like, all right, dude, okay. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, okay, so what happens is, eventually, Moses shows up, and um, uh, do you guys remember, you remember Joseph? Joseph, king of dreams, 
Yeah. Tech Dreamcoat, Dream of His Brothers. They always paint him as an arrogant kid, but you can't find that in the word. He didn't write he didn't write his dreams. He didn't read like some like Berkeley Psychic Institute, like lucid dreaming books or anything. Like he just was handed a dream. And he had a dream. And then he told his brothers because he trusted them and loved them. And that's okay. He's like, look, I got a clean conscience. I'm just gonna tell you what I dreamt. And his brother's like, whatever, dude. Well, if you go back and if you go back a little bit before all these brothers were born, um, uh, Israel, Jacob, his his uh, wives, Leah, he loved, but or was it the other way? Rachel. Rachel, he loved Leah. Okay, so he was going to marry Rachel, and um, and then he uh, the the father-in-law gave him Leah in the chamber instead, and to honor her, he married her because. Otherwise, she's considered defiled in the law then. So, like how that was then. And so, um, it's before the law of Moses, but that's just how that was. He, he wanted to honor. There's a lot of honor involved. And so, um, so he marries her. Then he has to work another seven years to, to actually marry Rachel. When that time, right, he, there's, there's children being had. And now these brothers are like, our mom is the one that he doesn't love. Your mom is the one that he does. Yeah, jealousy. This is why this is why he had a Technicolor dream coat and they didn't. Anyway, at least one person would have laughed at that. Okay, it's fine. Okay, so it's, it's like cricket. There's like a cricket I think I heard in the corner. Yeah, can somebody get that cricket? The cricket. Okay. Um, and so, so through all this, like when Joseph, you know, you remember the whole thing, and then he's thrown, you know, into the pit, blah blah blah, and then he's sold to the Ishmaelites, which are actually their cousins, because. Jacob's dad's brother is Ishmael. And the Ishmaelites is who take Joseph into slavery. Because they were also considered the, um, the, uh, the unfavored. So the, the ones that are unfavored sell him to the ones that are more unfavored. Because that's, ex that's exactly what offense does. It always tries to look for a like thing to partner with. So Joseph gets to Egypt. You know the story? He's like wrongfully accused, wrongfully abused, the whole thing. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's exalted because he just, he just stays with who he is and he just knows who he is. He, he, but it says that he was despairing. You know, it's not like that movie, like, how far I'll go. Like, he's, he's more like, like, dude, I don't know when I'm going to die, but I'm not going to blaspheme you. Like, like God, I'm going to stay a Hebrew. I'm not going to turn into an Egyptian. Like, I'm, I'm staying with who I know to be you, and I'm going to honor my father and my mother. I'm going to honor the God of my mother and father. This is, this is a big deal. When nothing else can be seen, he's like, no, I will honor the God of my mother and father, and I will trust in you, Lord. He spoke vertically to God. This is a big deal. There's very few in the Old Testament that weren't prophets that actually spoke to God directly. Most have talked about him. But here's Joseph, and God's like, boom, boom, he's a dream, da, 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 da. next thing you know, he's exalted, and then he interprets the dream for the, the king, and you know, the, the seven fat cows, the seven skinny cows, that whole thing, and Egypt was going to have a years of famine, and he, he knew what to do ahead of time, which by the way, there's still remnants of those grain storages in Egypt, just want to say that, okay, um, there's all sorts of archaeological evidence of this. Um, anyway, so at a certain point, Joseph gets his family to show up. It's too long of a story. Read Genesis. 
And, um, and uh, eventually, um, he's reunited with his father. He's reunited with his brothers, and everybody's all good. And he just forgives his brothers because he's like, look, how do I know? How do you know that God didn't actually put that in your heart to send me to Egypt just so that we could be saved here now? I was like, what? Like, talk about, like, honoring. You know what I mean? Okay, well, then Joseph dies. And when Joseph dies, when he finally dies, he asks for his bones to not stay in Egypt. He said, eventually, in 400 years, there will come a deliverer. 400 years from now, there will come a deliverer. And he will deliver Israel out of Egypt. And when he does, oh, and we'll go under a whole lot of, like, hardness, like a whole lot of hard, some hard times before this happens. But he's going to draw us out into the promised land. And when you do, take my bones. Why does Joseph care where his dead body is? It's because resurrection was doctrine even then. They believed in the resurrection. They believed in the resurrection so much, I believe, that Joseph, because he was given so much manifested, manifold wisdom of the future and so much understanding of God's plan that God also told him, eventually, at the resurrection of the dead, there's going to be a whole other thing happening out there. Where do you want to wake up? I believe that. I believe it. And if you don't, that's all right. But, uh, but I believe that. I believe that Joseph actually wanted to, to he, he chose where he would be during the resurrection. And, and he wanted to be in Israel. <laughs> Remember, I want to be in Israel, man. Well, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when Jesus shows up, it'll be a great idea, I promise. Um, so, um, so Joseph's bones are somewhere in the Negev desert. Pretty amazing. Anyway, so here's all that. Well, he actually, like, there's some prophecies about Messiah in this. Even in, like, Moses. He was like a, a Messiah archetype. But in Moses, he was even saying, no, there's someone greater coming after me. He even said that. Well, showing up, all of a sudden, now you have the, the sacrificial system. The lambs, the goats, the pigeons, the clap, the, the, the waving, and the... Yeah, there's a clap offering. It's literally called a clap offering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is actually why we, we do this. That's why. Right? Come on. Hey, just do it for a second. It's a clap offering, right? Clap offering. It was, that's actually one of the offerings to honor God. Yeah, the way, yeah, 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 Crazy George in, in the Oakland, Oakland Stadium. Um, yeah, yeah. But didn't you, like, wave, like, the piece of the, the, the sacrifice? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the wave, like, Oakland Stadium. It's everywhere around the, the outer court. Um, Samuel's like, okay, come on. He's got the drum, like, Crazy George. Okay, anyway, it's an Oakland A's thing. If you don't know that, it's fine. Okay, so, um... So at a certain point, the law of Moses is set up, and it's first in the desert, you know, and they're in the wilderness. Um, you know, that it was, it was only a, a, like a five-day walk to where they were going, but they were in the wilderness for 40 years. Yeah, it does suck. <laughs> Do you know why? The Bible actually says. There's so many people that preach on this, and they just make up reasons. But the Bible is very clear on why. Check this out. No, 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 that's just why Moses couldn't go into the promised land. But why were they in the wilderness for 40 years? Right when the Ten Commandments happened, Moses was like, basically like, I'm so stoked, this is going to be amazing. God's like, nah, 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 they're already, they're already screwing up, man. He's like, what do you mean? He goes down, and like, they already made the golden calf. 
Like there's like lightning and thunder and voices on the mountain and they're like, man, we don't know where Moses went. He went into that. Just chill out. Like, why didn't one person say that? He's in there. Like, it's not just a sunny day with birds. There's like a freaking massive like tornado thing going up there with lightning and fire and voices. Maybe that's supposed to happen. Let's just chill out for a couple months. You know, it's like, give me a break. Okay, so anyway, but they made the golden calf and they did the whole thing. And so Moses came down and threw down the first Ten Commandments and they broke. Did you know that? He actually made a second. Okay. So when that happened, God said, I'm going to kill all of these people and I'm going to make you a nation like Noah. Straight up. It's in the word. It's not like I'm not just making this crap up. It's there. Read Genesis. Uh, actually, Exodus. Um, and uh, he said, like, I'm going to kill all of them and make you a people from your lineage like I did with Noah. And then he says, this is so crazy hardcore. Moses said to kill me too. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then God said... All right, fine. <laughs> but nobody that saw Egypt will see the promised land. So you hear about how people like didn't stub their toe and did blah, 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 but don't let anybody tell you they didn't age. Because they did. They did. Now, they were protected and their clothing stayed fine and they were eating um, manna, which was God's second choice. They were supposed to live on him alone. But they're because of their grumbling. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm just saying the word. I'm not making this crap up. I'm actually saying that in the word, God said, because of your grumbling, I'm giving you manna, which is incredible. He was saying like I wanted to be your strength and your food, me myself, which is why it's still available for us. Which is why the Spirit gives life to the mortal body, and people always get healed when we take communion. But I digress. So, all this stuff's happening. Blah blah blah. They finally like. He starts instituting the sacrificial system. So once a year, the people, their, their sins could be absolved by sacrificing a lamb and killing it. And that all the, the, the blood curse of Adam would be transferred to the priest. And the priest would grab this, this lamb by the, by the horns and put his head on the lamb and transfer the sin to that lamb. And they would have to kill it immediately. It would be a spotless lamb without blemish. Couldn't have like some funky things on it or whatever had to like be the nicest, beautiful lamb possible. Because, I don't know if you've been around lambs, but they're about as innocent as it gets. Mm -hmm. They have clean consciences with everything they do. <laughs> they're like, hey! Like, they're just like, oh, like, 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 you know, like, like, bounding, and like, they're just so cute, and you can just pick them up, and they're just like, like, they just let you pick them up, they're just so cute. I love little lambs. I actually would love, like, in the spring, if we could all go and, like, go to a lamb farm and just hang out for the day. Maybe even, like, I don't know. Like, uh, uh, do, the, do the kids thing, like um, when you uh, dedicate, like children's dedications, we go to like a lamb farm. Yeah. Could, could someone text me that? Do a lamb dedications um, late spring at a lamb farm. Yeah, just one person. Beautiful. Okay. Um, okay, so you'd have to kill the lamb for the sins of the people. But here's the deal. It, and I'm quoting Paul here. If the, lamb, if the blood of lambs and goats could have made us perfect then you would only have had to do it once forever. But it didn't. Your sin would build up and build up and build up again all year, and then they would kill the lamb, and then you'd be clean. And within five minutes, you'd sin in your heart or something, and then it would build up and build up all year until you killed the lamb. Now, what's amazing, I'm going to talk about statistics for a second, Jared. Um, yeah. I don't like stats. You don't like stats, neither do I. Okay, so um, does somebody have a coin? Anybody have a coin? Uh, yeah. 
Great, Sam, thank you. Okay, so, <clears throat> great. Okay. Heads, tails. The odds of flipping heads ten times in a row is literally more than one out of a hundred thousand flips. Meaning, you could literally flip all day, two days in a row, and not see it. A hundred times in a row is four lifetimes. Literally four people, from the second they can flip a coin, <laughs> and they're flipping it as many times a day as possible and doing this, to see a hundred times in a row, all four of those lifetimes, you might see it once. Maybe. Okay, so now let's do this. The Urim and the Thummim, which was a basically like a... We know it's basically a heads and a tails in some way. It only had two options. It's a yes and a no. We don't exactly know what it was, but the priests used it. And every single thing... This is Jewish history, you guys. This isn't like some guy in the 70s wrote a book about Christianity and you don't know what he's talking about. This is actually like Jewish history. They've kept ridiculous records on this whole thing. Okay? Starting with the first sacrifice, the lamb sacrifice, they flipped. It said yes. It said yes every single year for 1,900 years. That is physically impossible. Statistically impossible. Statistically impossible. Not physically. Statistically. <laughs> right. Then, can anybody guess the first time it was not accepted? After Jesus died. And the Jews still have no idea why. And every year after that, it was a no. 40 years. 40 no's in a row. You have 1,900 and something yeses in a row, and then 40 no's, something changed. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Amazing. There's all these weird theories so about that. No, after they killed it, did God accept it? Oh, okay. <laughs> God accepted that lamb sacrifice for the people every single year until Jesus died in, in the place of that Passover lamb. And Jesus was the Passover lamb once and for all, forever. So shouldn't that first lamb after he died been a yes, and then after that been a no? No, because, because he was Jesus a lamb. No, 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 because Jesus is the lamb. You're done. You're done, once and for all. 40 years after? Every single year they try to kill a lamb, and it, God said, no, I don't accept it every year. I don't accept that lamb. Oh, okay. Because I accepted one lamb already, forever. Right. My son. So, so, this is, good. right, it's so good. So you guys, like, when he died, no one could take his life. Did you know that? Jesus said himself, no one takes the life of the Son of Man. He gives it up willingly and freely. Dude, that's hardcore, man. <laughs> He's all, man, none of y'all can take me. Here. Because <laughs> they, they tried. There's so many times where he just, no one could find him. Yeah. They wanted no, really. Okay, do you remember when, he, when they said, when, when they said, um, are you Jesus of Nazareth? And he said, I am. And he invoked the I am. Yeah. Do you remember what happened? They all fell, they all down. fell down on the ground. <laughs> all these dudes with swords and, and all these, it's like a pitchfork mob and they just all fall on the ground and they get up and they ask him again and he says, I am again. They fall again. I love that. Can you, can you imagine getting up the second time? Like you're next to your friend and you're like, dude, I don't know if we're supposed to be doing this, man. <laughs> It's like, uh, do you remember um, Shamgar back in, in the book of Judges? It says, and then there was Shamgar. It's this little teeny little quote. It's only two sentences. It's like all the other judges are talking about. Gideon gets like all these chapters. And then there's one little, one little paragraph, two sentences. It says, and then there was Shamgar, a mighty judge of Israel, who killed 400 Philistines with an ox goad at one time. 
<laughs> Dang! You know what an ox goat is? It's this stick that's probably about six feet long, maybe seven, and it has a point at the end of it. And a little point that comes off on the side. That's it. That's what an ox goat is. 400 Philistines at one shot. But here's the deal. Back in the day, the, the, the people in that area, they wanted the, the, the people that are about the champion, like this is our champion, you wanted to be the guy that killed him. So you could bum rush like Matrix. It wasn't like that. There's a line. And each one of these guys wants to be the one that kills Shamgar. Now, I want to say this. Can you imagine being number 398? It's like you're like, dang, maybe he's tired. You know, like, this is messed up. Like, you just saw literally 397 of your dude just go down, like some straight-up Bruce Lee stuff. They can't even get to him. He's like, okay, okay. He's like, just going through the eye, popping the vein, whatever he's doing. He's just, he's just killing all these dudes. And all of a sudden, you're like 397. You got two dudes behind him. They're like, nah, you're good. You go first. You know, like, like whatever they're arguing about, hey, you want to go before me? And it's like, nah, nah, I'm good. Because you're wondering if he's tired. And you know he wasn't because he was a mighty, you know, he was like, he was intense. You know, he's like this judge. He's like, he got the power of God on him. And he's like, bring it on. He probably said it in their language or something, you know, because they all could talk for some reason. I wonder what language they all spoke because all the people spoke different languages. But whenever they spoke to the Philistines, they knew each other. And I remember at one point that one of the kings was on, Hezekiah, I think, and he was on the, um, the, the mountain. He was like, don't speak to me in, in, the, in, in, in our native tongue. Speak to me in what we usually talk. So most Hebrews were bilingual. It's really amazing. Anyway, so in the same way, like when you come up here, it's like, there's a whole other beautiful thing showing up where it's Jesus and he's like, no one takes my life. I give it up freely. How could he not be divine and no one could take his life? He gives it up freely. Everything unravels if we're not holding to what is actually true about these things. So, sure enough, he finally says, all right, let's do this. And they take him and they beat him and they rip out his beard. And they didn't break a single bone in his body, is what it said. That's one of the prophecies. His bones shall never be broken. Uh, but he was. But it said that he was marked beyond recognition. It actually said that you would not recognize who he was because of what he went through, even if you knew him. Um, and so all of this, he's taking all of it because he's interceding for the planet, past, present, and future. He's interceding on our behalf. Every blow, every insult, everything that was happening to him, he's thinking about you. He's thinking about me. The apple of his eye, us. Like, this is who he's thinking about. And this is what he's doing. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured. This is amazing. And so, finally, because he's so amazing because he's divine. He already knows have you ever wondered why he looked up from the cross and said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Anybody ever wonder that? Anybody? I'm going to tell you right now. This is what happened. It says that darkness covered that whole area. It wasn't clouds. It's not what it said. It didn't say cloud cover. It actually said darkness only in that spot was no longer sun. Like darkness that it says that the actual soldiers could barely see. It's not just like, oh, a cloud showed up. It's dark as night. Do you remember the last time that existed? Egypt. Oh, yeah. Egypt. The cursed land. The curse is over him. And for the first time in his life, 
The first time Jesus ever, since the foundation of the world, being part of the Trinitarian God, co-equal, co-laboring, co-honoring, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for the first time ever, he separated. Ever. That's why he was sweating blood. That's why, Father, why have you forsaken me? Because his, in his humanity, for the first time ever, he's disconnected. That is what happened. Because the Father turns his face away. That's the point. The point is that the Father actually judges him as that he would judge everyone else under the Adamic curse. He turns away from Jesus and he says, you are no longer a part. But here's the deal. Because Jesus was not born in death, death had no hold over him. Because there's no sin. The sting of death is sin. I'm sorry, the sting of sin is death. The sting of sin is death, but he had no sin. So guess what? He raises himself from the dead. It says both, actually. I love that. Like when the, um, the, the Jehovah's Witnesses, especially, God bless them. You know, but like, they're like, well, Jesus wasn't divine. He didn't raise him from the dead. The Father raised him from the dead. I'm like, well, it said both. So that should just end it right there. Jesus raised him from the dead, and the Father raised him from the dead. Okay, well, so that would say that he's fully divine and fully man. People say, well, how can you be fully man and fully God? Well, how do you part and parcel God? If you did, he would no longer be infinite and omniscient and omnipotent. You, you can't make slices of God. So what are we looking at then? Well, you're either God or you're not. It's basically that. You can't be half God. This is Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. And so... So what happens is he's fully man and fully God. You can just meditate on that forever. It's great. The more revelation you get on that, you're like, oh my goodness. And so finally, on the cross, Father, why have you forsaken me? And they give him this nasty stuff to drink. And at the very end, he realized, he, he's like, okay, I've fulfilled every single prophecy up to this point. The suffering side the dying side of Messiah that would cover the sins of the people, Isaiah 53, done. And guess what he said? It is finished. You know how you die on a cross? Your lungs fill up with liquid and you suffocate. That's how you die. But because it was Passover, they weren't allowed to torture anyone on Passover. Like so legalistic, it's amazing. So instead, on their torture device, you ram a spear through their chest or you break their legs so that they can't keep propping themselves up so they will actually suffocate. So they go up to the, the, the first two thieves and they break their legs and they go up to Jesus and he was already out. And so they actually, to test, because if somebody rams a spear through you, you're gonna, you're gonna flinch if you're not dead. And they did it, when they pulled it out, water came out. The reason why they say that isn't for some Catholic mysticism. It's to prove that he had suffocated because water was in his lungs. That's how you die on a cross. So he was dead. Dead, dead, dead. Not Passover plot. Not like he was faking it. Yeah, man. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. But there's a really good book about this. Um, it's called More Than a Carpenter by Josh McDowell. Just read that. It's super short. It's amazing. There's no way that anyone would die for a lie. They just won't do it. Especially 12 of them from all walks of life. It's like, it just doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's, he has another book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. I highly recommend that guy if you're into this stuff. So Jesus dies, and he's put into a tomb. And the good news, he raises from the dead. 
That's amazing. So what happens is, is when he resurrected, because he died with all of our sins on him, he took the punishment. He's saying, I'm the only one that could do this. And yes, I was also willing to do this because from the foundations of the world, you, humanity, are my counterpart. And this is how it needs to happen. It's, it wouldn't happen any other way if we sinned. He would have to die for us. He gives it all. And then he raises from the dead. Death has no hold on him. And then he says, and any of you that would then claim my blood for your own, I will then. Because it's a, it's a relational covenant. If you say yes, I'll put the ring on forever. And the ring is his blood takes over for Adam's. And I will say the second part of Romans 5. Romans 5 says this three different times. It says this. He makes a case. He compares Jesus' blood and us having it to Adam's blood and having it. And he says this. I will seal this up with the last nail in any coffin of any of you wondering if you're saved or not. Or if you can lose your salvation. You can't. There's a reason why Romans 5 is called the assurance chapter. This is what he says. In the same way that it was impossible through anything you could do wrong or right to remove yourself from the blood of Adam. To the same degree as that was impossible. It is impossible for anything you do, bad or good, to remove yourself from the blood of Christ. Oh my gosh. It's impossible. And this is what I've noticed. This is what I've noticed. I'll do a little side commercial here. <laughs> that however we believe that we were saved, we believe how we can lose or not lose our salvation. Period. If we think it was us that did the saving, we think we can lose it. Because we, we still have a defiled conscience. But if you know for all intents and purposes that there is no way you could have ever escaped on your own, but Jesus pulled you out, period. This, this deity in flesh, enthroned forever, every other, everything under his feet, authority over all, he calls us to be like lambs ourselves. He calls us to fold the flock. We look foolish and even heretical and insane to the world because we continue to stay soft. We continue to bless when we're cursed. And we, are, we continue to somehow have this insane belief that this God is watching over us and he will protect us and that he will actually increase his kingdom through doing this for other people that right now hate him. And yet, it keeps happening. This is the gospel. This is what it is. You are written in the, the Lamb's book of life. You are written in the Lamb's book of life. It says, do not, do not um, rejoice when this happens or this happens or this happens. Don't listen to that as a command. He's comparing. He's using a Hebrew abject absurdum. What he's saying is this. Yeah. This is amazing, you're sticking coins to walls. And people are getting healed of AIDS. And, and Aiden can see now without glasses. Okay, yeah, amazing. And I mean, I could keep going, but it would take too long. Like, incredible things are happening. Y yeah, sure. But even if none of those things happen ever again, they will. But I'm just saying, even if they don't, rejoice that you're written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Rejoice. That's where we're at now. Adoration. The next time we, we're up here and we're singing, 
like you're all I want, or like everything for you, like whatever we're singing, slow down, remember, remember where you sit, remember who you are. I do, <laughs> regularly, I have to. It's the, it's the only cure for the minutia of life. I stop again, and I, and I engage again, and because of the blood, I'm afforded an audience with him at any moment. I approach boldly the throne of grace. That's what that means. At any second, literally, you can go through like, you can go through a spree, prostitutes, heroin, bank robbing, you kill five people, blah, 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 and the second you come back to your right mind, you're, you're like, oh, no. And then you go right into his presence. And you're like, did your blood even cover that? He's like, yes. That's what this is. That's what this is. It's the gospel. Yeah. There's nothing you can do to get out of it. Once it's applied, it's like the mob. You can never get out. I tried. It didn't work. Yeah, right? Some of us, a lot of us tried. It didn't work. Once, you, once the blood has been applied, what happens is, is your heart becomes alive. You have a new heart. You don't have the heart of Adam anymore. You're no longer at war with God. It's really hard to get away from an alive heart. Very difficult. It's impossible. And, um, and so what happens is you try to go back to all the things you used to experience before. It doesn't work. You can't completely check out again. And this is why the people that finally come to Jesus and go back into their sin, it's such a fast, just, just slope. Like it's just mock speed down to the darkest things because they're trying again to deaden their hearts. But what God resurrects, you can never kill. It's just true. Yeah, once you're made alive, you're alive forever. It's the beauty of it. And so, yeah, you can't. So what, is the, what does the flesh need to be satiated? Food that never perishes. It's the only way out. It's the only way out. And so lust, what lust is, is it's a hunger and a chasing and an eating of food that perishes. That's what lust is, period. It's, a, it's an eating and a chasing and a filling and a, and, a, and a desire for food that perishes. That's it. It's not like awesome and mystical and like so cool and all this stuff. It's like, nah, man, it sucks because it's all deception. The more you feed lust, the more miserable you become, the more disjointed and, and compartmentalized. And the beauty of it, though, is that any second you come and you say, oh, you're here. It's me and you. You don't have to ask him to forgive you. I mean, maybe for your sake, but he already forgave you for everything. That's a ritual. You don't need a ritual. We're, here, we're cured of all ritual. This, none of this is ritual. I mean, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning. This is what I was talking about at the beginning of, of this entire night. It can become one, but it isn't supposed to be. And the more we get into like, like, where we stand and how we stand and how we talk and what we say. And it's like, you, you might as well be, you, you're just trying to experiment with spells, but you're not good at it. Yeah. I'm serious. You don't want to go that way. It sucks. Let him do it. Right? And so, don't, don't play that game. It, it sucks. And you always lose. <laughs> Just stay with him. Let him vindicate you. Let him do the work. It's so mysterious how he does it because you can't track it. 
Because it's not like the human mind rolls. It's totally different because it's spirit. It's spiritually discerned. All of this is spiritually discerned. The world is so pissed off, and they even contradict why they hate Christianity. The first one is this. How can you say that just believing something makes you good? You need to earn it. And then the other thing is, why are you telling me that I'm not good and you're telling me all this stuff is wrong? It's like, well, it's one or the other. It's like, it's because it's, they're at war with God. This is why all these movements on the earth, they agree with each other, even though they're, they're more at odds with each other for what they say they're at war with, with Christianity than anything else. Why, is it, why isn't feminism completely like boycotting the Muslim nations and how they treat women? <laughs> why not? It's because they're both against Christ. That's the point. That's the point. The point is anti-anything that reminds me of Jesus. That's the point. This, this, this new movement called intersectionality. Anybody that can claim victim, they all get along. But what's Like, you now have, like, full-on, like, well, I don't care. I'm just going to say it. Whatever, doesn't matter. Like in California, like whatever. Um, but you have like all these different movements, all these communities based around another rebellion. And they all get along. But what's amazing is some of those movements want to kill someone else in the other movement. And yet they're marching together. Like the whole coexist sticker, I say this a lot. That coexist movement, man, they, they could just get rid of that T at the end. It's like, because it's, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's all these symbols of all these other religions and movements. But yet, I've never seen a coexist person with a coexist sticker that wasn't angry at Christians. Because it doesn't have anything to do with that. They could just spell coexist without a T. Because that, that thing. Because it's not about peace. It's about unifying under a common banner of the war of enmity against God. That's what we're talking about. And you know what we do about it? We don't march and yell at people and freak out. That's not. That's just another ritual, and it always makes it worse because it's a freaking ritual. It's like, dude, like trying to politically legislate the kingdom. It always backfires because we're trying to solve a problem that's out of the order of heaven with something else out of the order of heaven. Dude, any time you try to legislate morality, it just it just fans the flames because now you're playing on the enemy's turf. He knows that. You can't beat him with law. He's good at it. And we're immune to it. We don't even know how to work it. It's like little it's like it's like a three-year-old trying to like build a car. I mean they might understand that it's a car, but that's about it. So now I'm coming back. Because I know we're all looking at kids because they're cute. Okay, look. Alright. Wow, I'm going an hour and fifteen. And previously I used to go for two and a half hours. So I'm gonna sew this up. Um there I'll praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Okay, I'm going to tell the joke. Okay, it's, it's, it's not really a joke. It's a true story. And it's actually not that funny because of how it ends because true stories usually don't end super funny. That's how you can tell it's true. Okay, so, um, yeah. It is, but it's true. It's like, if somebody tells you a joke and they're like, this really happened, if it's hilarious, it probably didn't happen. <laughs> like, because jokes don't run like life does, which is why they're so hilarious. Anyway, I digress. So, so my grandma used to go to church way back in the day. They had like this Southern Baptist situation. It was super hot out all the time um, in the summer because they're just in a wooden building in Oklahoma. So it's like, I think it was Oklahoma. It's like really intense hot. And it was like a hundred and something. And the preacher would go for four hours on a regular basis. 
And they are just thirsty, and everybody has to pee, and it's freaking hot. And there's this old man that would always fall asleep in the front row. And every time he'd kind of wake up a little bit, and he'd go, amen, and then go back to sleep. And he'd wake up a little bit, praise the Lord, and then go back to sleep. Well, everybody in the church knew that this would happen. Well, the pastor is like, he keep, you know when the pastor's like, okay, I'm going to be done. Nah, man, just get comfortable, because... It's usually right when he just starts launching again, or she, you know? Okay. Well, this time, it had been going way longer than anybody was even prepared for. Like, even longer than he would normally go. And it was so hot. And, like, all the kids are, like, the pee dance, and, like, everybody's like, oh, God, we're going to die. And then at the very moment, this is what happened. The pastor, my grandma was, my grandma was a little girl, and she just, they all got spankings because all of their siblings just could not stop laughing. But this is what happened. The pastor goes, and now this is my final point. And right at that moment, the old man in the front row goes, Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And the whole congregation just erupts. And because, I mean, it's just so funny. Anyway, and that's it. There's nothing else. Okay, um, I told you it was kind of funny, but all right. So um, anyway, so every time I'm like, Amen, and some, that's why some people go, Amen. Yeah, that's why. Um, so I'm about to be done. Um, amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So to end this thing, I want to encourage us. We have been experiencing revival. We've been experiencing it. What do you do with the revival? Well, you don't try to keep it going. You don't try to do anything because that's not how it started. It's about you and Jesus and us corporately and Jesus. That's what this is about. It's all about glorifying him by glorifying what he does, but specifically who he is. We love him and we love others. We receive love from him. We receive love from others. This is what it's all about. And sure, we can talk about how do you feel offense? How do you feel forgiveness? You know, how do we do all these things? Well, of course, because it helps each other along. And you guys, I just, I just want to encourage us as a body. We are really good at helping each other. We really are. Seriously. Come on, everybody. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, I don't know what that was. Um, I was like, yeah, I like just jumped into like, okay, so um, I don't know where that came from. Uh, they're all the Caribbean, Brian, the Caribbean. Um, in this next couple weeks, I need everybody here, okay? If you hear anything I say, hear this. In the next couple weeks, you're going to be given thoughts like this. What's going on in Kairos recently? Or, oh man, maybe I don't need to go there right now. Or like, But you don't have a reason why. It's not like this solid like unto. There'll be this feeling of, um, in fact, if the idea shows up like, well, it's not what it used to be. Or whatever. You guys, there's no physical reason for that question. But that's the beginning of when the enemy tries to challenge us individually. To try to prop it up to try to get in the way, to try to like find a pattern of what we were doing before and try to make that into policy and doing all these things. You know what? At that moment, you drop all of it and you, you run to the throne. That's it. They just run to the throne. I can, I can, I can see it. I, in the spirit, I can see the rumblings. I don't have people telling me like, what's happening to Carlos? Nobody's saying that, okay? We're doing great. What I'm, but, but what is happening here, ironically, when I preach this message, we have a third of Kairos in the room. Ironically. Um, but uh, this beautiful thing, it's not about what God is necessarily doing as much as who he is. 
It's not about following the instruction of him as much as being about the instructor. Right? Whether you follow through on your, on your Christian disciplines or not, the point is get back to him. Because the closer you are to him, the more grace you have to do everything else. Right? But sometimes these things can take precedent and all of a sudden the ritual becomes more important than him himself. And you know that because you try to get back to him and all of a sudden it's hard. Let's just drop all ritual and pretense. We don't need it. It will not make us better. It will not make us stronger. We don't need new policies. We don't need new problem-solving skills. We don't need somehow to like build and construct another Tower of Babel. We don't need it. Okay? Instead, we just need to get back to Jesus, Him crucified, celebrating, just reveling that we are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Is that good? Okay, come on. Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do communion. Is that good? Okay, come on. Come on. Come on. Let's do this. All right. All right. We're going to try that one more time. We're going to do communion. All right. Okay. It's a little better. All right. Fantastic. Use your phone. I don't know. Okay. I like that sort of thing. Awesome.